Brooklyn sounds like. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And it's me, Dr. Lisa, the unlicensed therapist. I do give a shit. I really do. How are you guys doing? Are you holding up? I don't know. You know, you know what? I got to tell you something. I'm just going to tell you straight out. Um, I'm fighting depression, okay? I am fighting it tooth and nail. And what's happened to me is that, like, since May, I've been, like, incredibly busy. It's been stressful, but I've done a lot of uh, art projects and performing and uh, back-to-back, and I said yes to too many things. I'm not, like, getting... Don't think I'm getting, like, rich or, like, getting any kind of big, like... This is, like, it's it's nothing major, folks. It's just shit, okay? Shit I'm doing. Nothing major. Let's not get excited. Let's not get too excited. Although I am proud of the spring break show that I was in last week. Okay. But anyway, with the sex doll, Sky clearly... Then Sherilyn Neidhart and I made work... Uh, in the voice of this young woman who was actually just a doll. Never mind. I mean, it's okay. Uh, but the thing is, is that uh, I I know that on some level I'm replacing my angst, my existential angst about, you know, all those things, you know, death, my relationships, uh, my health, which is good, you know, but all the things, my dog is old, my dog is not well. I mean, uh, I really need to buy new clothes. All my clothes are worn out. I need, I need to clean out my closet. I've been like repressing everything and now it's all come to a head. Plus I have to figure out what I want to do next creatively, where I'm where I'm going. So what what I want to say is, is that uh, I'm normal. I mean, if you're normal, I'm normal. Okay. So if that ever happens to you, that's what happens. There's nothing wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong. I think it's just what happened. Anyway, I am, I'm getting into psychotherapy head because I've got uh, somebody here that we're going to do uh, a psychotherapy session together. He has never been in psychotherapy, so he's a... I was just going to say sitting duck, but I, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say he's he's awesome. He's going to be a great patient. Uh, and we're talking about Nick Greenwald, who um, was in spring break as well, a Brooklyn artist. And uh, is a major talent, a major talent. Um, he 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 draws. He draws incredibly well, and he draws fantasy, kind of dark, very creative, very complex, mostly black and white scenarios. Uh, Anyway, he's a really interesting guy, and I'm I'm very excited that he's here. And uh, but you know what? I want to remind you before we get started that you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, which is the greatest radio station in in the Western Hemisphere. Because I don't know about the Eastern Hem. I've only listened to the ones in the Western Hemisphere. So that's. But I can tell you. I can tell you. 
So anyway, did you know that we're a nonprofit and um, we, you know, it's getting to be the end of the year. Let's look at it that way, folks. And um, with all that money you have, you need a tax deduction. I know that everything's gone great for you this year. You need a tax deduction. So go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate and check us out. But even more importantly than that, sign up for our newsletter. Become part of the organization. We're, we're back. We're having a party this Saturday, 2 to 4, on the rooftop here at 199 Cook Street. We, we, we are interesting and we are fun. I also want to remind you that uh, it would be great if you were thinking about going to the, I want to remind you about the Peters Valley Annual Craft Fair, which is this weekend, the 24th and the 25th at the Sussex County, New Jersey Fairgrounds. Um, you can uh, browse and buy like tons of crafts by exhibiting artists, and it supports the Peters Valley School of Craft which is a very important organization, you know, because we're not getting enough art in our schools and in our lives. And not only that, who doesn't want to own something that's handmade? Christmas is coming up. You can give it away. Okay, so don't forget about that. So I'm going to bring on my guest, Nick. Hi, Nick. Hello. Um, put your... Put your face closer to the microphone, please, or put the microphone closer to your face. We started out in a good, it, yeah. Is, um, that, is that a Anyway, better? how did I describe your work? What do you think? I think you did about as good as I do. You uh, did. Sometimes I fumble. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of different things that you could probably say and different ways you could describe it. Uh, and sometimes I do good and sometimes I do bad, and I think you did fine. Oh, okay. Well, I'm more concerned with accuracy if mm, I yeah, represented I, it. Relatively I mean, accurate. I'm not, I think there's I'm an not. element of comedy also. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. The, okay. Yeah. There's some slapstick I, I, comedy and silliness. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a really good point because there's it's fantastical and it has a darkish element, mm-hmm. but it's got like that lovely sinister. Yeah. Ha, ha. One of those things I think that's important to me is like taking dark and you know, depressing or horrible elements in the world, and you have to filter them in some way that you can, like, you know, make make digestible. Uh, and the silliness and the comedy is a way of, like, looking at things that are sometimes too horrible to, you know, consider openly or, I don't know, maybe it's a defense mechanism or something. But, yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's a way to yeah. look at and, things more and, clearly. You know, I'm going to say that um, I love that um, it wasn't actually that, that we're talking about it, but it wasn't the first thing because the comedy is very deep in there, but mm. very insidious and mm-hmm. subtle the way I like my comedy. Mm, I like to hear that. Thank yeah. you very much. So it's right in there. So anyway, um, I'm going to, we're going to have a conversation here, but just so you know, um, Nick's uh, Instagram is Hey Look Thunder. in case I forget. Okay. Hey Look Thunder, all one word on Instagram. If you want to see the work, yeah, look for look for thunder, but you're actually, uh, you know, thunder. How do you look for thunder? That's my little. Oh, is that subtle, like the? Is that the little secret that's thing? That's my there? secret subtle joke that isn't very funny. How do you look for thunder? You can't look for thunder. Yeah, that's that is that is the ultimate element of it. Uh, also, thunder was my old wrestling name when I used to be a backyard oh, wrestler. Oh, backyard wrestler. Does that mean you got in school fights? Uh, no, all the fights were outside of outside of school. <laughs> 
all the fighting was done in the backyard. Right. With so people avoided other us students. Of, yeah, with other students. Yeah, did you get in a lot of fights? No, no, people stopped fighting with us because they saw that we were, <laughs> we, they, we, were, uh, we were beating each other up more than any bullies could probably ever do. So, uh, you know, we were hitting each other with tables or chairs or Really? Anything. Did oh, you yeah. get hurt? Um, I did a lot of martial arts when I was that age. So uh-huh. I was kind of like beaten into shape. I think that uh, I wasn't badly hurt ever. I broke my nose once, but that's about it. But you liked the physical conflict. Well, it was like physical theater, you know, because it was very staged what we were doing. There was some oh. element of improvisation, but we were, you know, we were trying to be like the WWF. With oh, but, so, but was, you weren't, there wasn't like, it wasn't like you were like beating up kids you hated or something. No, it was me and my friends all just smacking each other around for fun. Oh, <laughs> Kind of like watching puppies play, right? I think there was a large element of that. A lot of my friends were like big puppies, and I was the little puppy who was getting thrown around. Hmm. So when you said sitting duck, I think I have been a sitting duck more than more than once. Oh, well, you're not a particularly small man. Well, I Maybe was a lot smaller, smaller back then. Smaller as a child. <laughs> I was smaller back then. So we all were, weren't we? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I started out at seven and a half pounds myself. Although all my friends were also, I maybe I wasn't small, but all my friends were very tall, big. Some of them were large, very large. So I was the small. I was the runt of the litter of a much a very large group of people. I think. Ah, well, you must have really developed skills and and tenacity. Uh, yeah, for sure. Learning how to be thrown around and not get you know grievously injured definitely. Yeah, that's, skills that's who there. people really want to have fights with people they can. wrestle with people they can throw i mean how much fun is that yeah it's a lot more enjoyable i think so let's get into the therapy thing so uh i'm just telling these guys listen you guys so here's here's the thing about here's what i know about nick nick okay i don't know nick i don't really know nick i don't really know nick i have a good feeling i have a great feeling about nick i know nick's a great talented artist i know that uh i know that nick lives Nick does not live with his girlfriend. He's been with her for five years. She wants to move in. He doesn't. So Mm. that's interesting, right? Mm -hmm. There's a story there, I think. Also, Nick is a little bit obsessive, I think. I think you tell me, Nick, but I think you're sort of obsessive with like fantasy Mm. and uh, I guess you like those, uh, you know, you know, Lord of the Rings stuff. Oh, yeah. All that. Lord of the Rings is like, that's the that's like the gateway drug. Yeah, you're obsessed. You know all the, you know all the uh, uh, Marvel comic, all the comics, Mm, comics. I'm not really a Marvel guy. Not Marvel, or I don't know enough about it. It's a little too mainstream. Marvel's too mainstream. So who's your hero? Uh, I think there's an artist named Mobius. He's a comic book artist. He's a he died in 2011, I think. He's a French comic book artist and just unbelievable talent, the draftsmanship and the creativity, and he very much inspired the way that I think about making my work. Interesting, seeing he's really deep into it, folks. He, 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 like, I, you, I've never even heard of this person, but. Well, up. Mobius is very, he's very he's famous. probably very famous if you're into that. In those circles. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm enough trouble keeping track of my grocery list, so I'm not yeah. gonna get into, like, a whole new genre of art. But, um, so you get the picture a little bit. Um, he's a lost he's in fantasy. Really fun guy. He he he's great at like hanging out and talking. I can tell that <laughs> right away. Uh, he spends a lot of time working. He loves his art. He's alone in his studio a lot. We found that out uh, in the pre in the preamble. But um, 
he's never been in therapy. So let's find let's let's see what let's see what yeah, let's the do story it. is. So so Nick, what what do you think is like been on your mind lately that you could discuss? What uh, in terms of my biggest issue with my yeah yeah what's been bugging you? Okay, well here's one. I got contacted after spring break. Um, this is I guess it's relevant to what we were talking about before in terms of my my uh, reticence to be an art world entrepreneur type person. Mm-hmm. I got contacted by a curator from China mm. who really, really responded well to my work. He came to my open studios because Bushwick Open Studios was Oh, yeah, it was week. next. He, right. He, he DM'd me and made a point of coming to my studio, wanted to you know chat about the work. And then he emailed me yesterday and was asking me for like my general info, CV, bio, all that stuff. Congratulations. And, and, and said, you know, I want to consider you for a show in, in Shanghai where I have a gallery. Wow. So issue, this is not... Not to brag, this the issue is I haven't really had any shows in the last couple of years because of you know COVID and what we were saying about how I you know I've kind of drilled down into my studio. Okay, okay. I I was I was questioning Nick why his work wasn't more widely dispersed and why he wasn't promoting mm. promoting it and stuff like that. I mean, I was just curious. I think Nick actually just really likes making his work. He gets he has a good job. He gets paid to uh, do. Uh, what do you call it? Art? What do you call- I, I, decorative painting? Decorative painting, but you know, like trompe l'oeil, like high high end. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. In yeah. the houses of the rich and famous, say murals and gilding and all that. Yeah, he's stuff. got he's got like a, a a great gig. He has you know representation, but he works for himself, so he's getting paid to use his skills all the time uh in a spe- very highly specialized way, and he likes working alone in a studio. So he may just be self-satisfied like do where he is, which is fine. But this is what we wanted to find out. Yeah. So Nick so Nick is now confronted. You're confronted. Yeah, I feel a dual pull between, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of satisfaction for my job. It's relatively stable, though there's moments of, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a moments when it's very busy and I have lots of work. And there's moments when I have, you know, I'm kind of like scraping by. Like any freelancer. Yeah. Yeah, but, but you've been doing it uh, like 10 years. I've been or doing it for 10 years, so I've, Same, I've gotten kind of yeah, used to the, yeah, the, 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 yeah. Thi- the you, thick and thin. You're moments. in there, and you get yeah. good word of mouth. We, that's established. We got that going Yeah, on. but I think the dual pull is, you know, maybe there's a, a space for me to maybe try and step more into being a professional artist and displaying my work and making more of my life money, you know, the stuff that I sustain myself on from making art. And well, there's a professional element of it that I don't think I'm fully... Uh, in, in, prepared for or invested in or have okay first of all you are are a professional artist your work <laughs> is professional mm. um you've been shown you, spring break is professional sure um so you you are a professional artist we're talking about your career we're not talking about the work we're talking mm. about exactly career. Yeah, career so you have con conflicts about putting your your art out there you're mm-hmm. conflicted about it i, I think there's a bit of that yeah and what do you what do you think that's about? Well, I think there's an element of uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of fear and anxiety from trying to put this thing that's so personal to me into an, a space where people judge it in a in a business way or a, a marketability way. But, you know, losing the art and getting more of the business and is something that I think I have a lot of uh, a lot of questions about. Mm-hmm. What, what, first of all, there's, there's two things I'm thinking about. One is, um, 
what the conflicts are, of course, but also mm-hmm. the way that you talk about it is interesting because on one hand you're saying you're talking about in terms of money mm-hmm. and like showing your work doesn't necessarily, it isn't necessarily about making money. Right. We all know that. Like, of course, yeah. you know, those are two different things, but in your mind, they seem to have, I think that it's in the conflated. service of money. Yeah. I think I conflate it with, this is in the service of money because I have to, you know, talk to curators and galleries and tell them prices and try and sell it, I guess, make an effort to sell it. And when once there's that element of it, it, it stops being about the studio and making personal mm-hmm. work. And, so you've personally, some people don't, ca- you know, show their work. They don't care about, they don't think about the money part. So sure. you are personally, the money part is is personally something that affects you. It's I think that's an anxiety inducing. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. And are you worried about like, um, are you worried? Are you worried about being criticized? Are you worried about being criticized? Are you not worried- at all? Okay. I don't think that has ever, because I, I take criticism when it's art-based criticism, you know, that's, that's all part of the process. Yeah. And I'm sure as your job, you must, I mean, that's part of being, yeah, you know, you when you get have, paid to you do the work. You can't have ego when you're making a, you're doing the, the, the artistical work. Yeah, of if course. It's, it's either right or it's not right. And then you have to make it right. That's right. Your job. Right. And then people, you can make it right and people might not like it anyway, but you're, well, you're a yeah. professional. Uh, yeah. You have to be a professional. And, and in terms of criticism about artwork on the walls i i have a very similar so you're professional so then what are do you feel you feel vulnerable everyone feels vulnerable putting their work out there what part of it like are you concerned about the image like what part of it do you feel vulnerable about you're confident about the work Mm -hmm. well i'm not confident in myself in in the entrepreneurial sense in the trying to sell myself sense if all I had to do to sell work was talk about art the way I like to talk about my work, then I could probably do that. But uh, I don't know. Is there is there is there a conflict there? Can you do that? Well, I think that um, you know, like with this gallery in in Shanghai, that guy's going to be selling the work. You have nothing to do with it. He's mm-hmm. already. I mean, I don't think the artist necessarily has to be good at selling their work. Mm-hmm. They have to make work that people, they, I mean, to really get, you know, collectors and galleries, you right. pretty much do have to, at some point, make work that people will buy. Yeah. But you don't necessarily have to have anything to do with selling, with your ability to sell it. You uh-huh. put it out there. This is when I'm, you know, you just put it out there and people respond, especially nowadays on Instagram and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, but you're anxious about it so what do you imagine like what do you imagine that when you talk you talked about like if you could talk about it the way you want to talk about it but that um in order to sell yourself or your work and i'm not clear which it is uh you can't talk about it in the way that's that you're comfortable, you're natural. And I want to hear about that. Like, what do you imagine? Sure. Uh, Well, well, when I imagine me talking about my work or interacting with my work the way I want to, I mean, there's something that's very holistic to me. You know, there's something personal. And I guess I feel like once it enters into the realm of business and being sold and, you know, collectors and all that stuff, I think there's an element where you start to lose that. Uh, At least it seems that way to me. I mean, I... I'm so far on the periphery of that that it's all speculation. So maybe that's right, what the that, anxiety is. I haven't really done it much. Well, it's 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 
I mean, it's real. We're talking about what's real, and and you know, what's real is what's real for you right now, and mm. the, what you're thinking, what what you're thinking about. Who cares? I mean, down the road, it may seem completely different, but mm-hmm. right now, that's what you're imagining. So, what what about your work that is 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 really personal? You must. I mean, if I can ask that, sure. Well, so there must be some really personal relationship you have with it. Yeah, I, I think that the personal relationship is that I, I see my work as an investment of time and self. You know, I, I spend all my time in there making the work and it's it's just I think it documents the passage of time a lot because it takes so long for me to make individual works and so much of my thought, you know, daily daily thoughts uh find their way into the work. And I don't know if that's I don't know if that's necessarily important for other people to know about. I don't know if it, it adds anything to you know the marketability or the, the sales price of a work but when i think about selling the work i'm always like how much time and life did i invest into this if does that make sense well yeah my look he's giving me a funny look am i looking at you in a <laughs> no no it's just, way? I'm, it's, I'm i'm saying thinking it, about it it's kind of a thing i've said for i'm, I'm saying it kind of for the first time in a way like out loud you know in way. a literal it's, way and you want a reaction yeah, it's a hard thing to express because, not at all. Uh, I mean, not, I mean, I think I understand what you mean because your work. Um, and guys, really, you should go to Hey Look Thunder, and uh, so you know what we're talking about. Like Nick's work is black and white, but the imagery and the quality of the drawing is very specific and very um, technically. Prof- I don't know how to describe it. It takes a fucking long time, more yes. than people realize, yes, right? Exactly. Yeah. And do you do you feel that you can't get paid for the amount of time, or that people won't appreciate? Like, I think a bit of both. And so, like, let's say, um, you know, take a typical piece that you can bring to mind that took your that you're talking about now mm-hmm. that took a long time and has like sort of a lot of your life moments in it mm-hmm. right so how much do you think you could sell that for and how much would it be worth to you? like if you could how much money is there any amount of money that would compensate i think for, we're drilling for, down to the part of, part of the issue is that yeah it's hard to put a price on that for me because i i mean it's personally priceless but I, I can put it in units of time, you know, the way that I do my job, hours mm-hmm. per day or, mm-hmm. you know, man days per, per mm-hmm. job or something. I can, I can put prices on those because I know how to budget, you know, I, I know how to budget my daily hours of work into, in an artisanal way. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, putting a number on it is easy to do in, in abstract, but, you know, personally, it's, it's kind of a weird thing to do. It feels weird to do, even though I know it's a... So does it feel weird to do because you're reluctant to get rid of, to give up the work? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Cause um, I'll just tell you really quickly about this artist, Joe Coleman. Do you know who he is? No, I don't. No. Um, he's somebody worth looking up. He's a painter. He does, you know, very elaborate imagery mm-hmm. similar to what, you know, you, you, you would relate to. Mm-hmm. And um, he only makes, I don't know, maybe three paintings. He only makes a few paintings a year, and he has a relationship with everyone that buys one of his paintings. That's what I would like very much, yes. Like, that's that's a major fear of mine is to give a piece away and never hear from the person again. So how how long, like, how, like, 
Is there any amount of money? I mean, I know it's not, I know no one's going to pay like $10,000 for a drawing by you. I mean, not, not, not that it wouldn't be worth it, but mm-hmm. would $10,000. Oh yeah. Get- that, that is the price I set at my, for my spring break drawings. Uh-huh. And I was not intending to sell them. That was the price that I said. Did, if you, someone, did anybody take it? I mean, it's that's a lot for. I think it's people took it seriously, but I don't think anyone was going to buy it. Right. Which is, I mean, that's okay. I'm so, you, so, so, um. But I think if someone paid that, I would also want to make an effort to keep a relationship with them if I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's majorly interesting to me. How how many uh, drawings do you produce a year? Uh, like five or six, maybe. But there's always uh, the studio drawings and sketches and other stuff along with that. But mm-hmm. a, a finished piece, I would say maybe five or six pieces finished a year. Things mm-hmm. I would consider like fully rendered the way I'd like mm-hmm. them to be. And the other things, could you sell those for like a couple hundred bucks or yeah, something? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, I have, when I did my open studios, I had a variety of finished, you know, fully rendered pieces. And then I had a bunch of sketches on the wall, which all were like, Three to five hundred dollars. Did you like sell that. a lot of those? No, but people were interested. You know, yeah, there were some inquiries, and the the gallery, the China guy, uh, uh, emailed me after the spring break was over and the studios were over. Right. So, what's wrong with selling those? Because you really. also have to put the other one up for sale. Yeah, yeah. It, it that that I feel less of an issue with because those drawings are less of an investment of time, right. and less personal. Right. We have something that you are happy or. I'd be more selling. comfortable selling, but I, you know, those aren't really the things that people are blown away by. You know, those don't get as much interest. I think. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what do you do with the ones that you have, the finished ones? Where are they? They just keep. I just keep putting more and more on my wall. It's like uh, it, it's become sort of like you know, mental mental mansion. All mm-hmm. the... Do you like that feeling of being surrounded by them? Yeah, I love being surrounded by my work for sure. But yeah. I, I like having like a blank wall or two. But it's nice to. My, the process of making my work is responding to my own work. You know, one piece informs the next, and the next, and the next, and the next. Because mm-hmm. they have a very narrative, there's a narrative structure, but it's very loose, and it, it's freewheeling. You know, I look at one piece and get inspired by it, and, you know, the characters, the ideas in that one, or the settings, mm-hmm. go to the next. Next one. Yeah. So. so um, it would be scary to have a blank wall, and all my work had been sold or put in a show somewhere. You're really emotionally attached to your work. I think so. Well, and are other people not? I'm not sure. No, not everyone <laughs> is. Um, you're emotionally attached to your work because it takes you a really long time to do. <clears throat> and I'm not really sure. <clears throat> Sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure why you're so attached to it. I mean, mm-hmm. don't you have any old? What about your older pieces? Uh, there's a lot of old work on the wall, but some of it, there's too much, so it just goes in boxes that are in my studio. And what about selling those? I think I'd be more okay with selling those. The longer the longer I haven't worked on them, yeah. Are so, you happy with them? Pretty happy, yeah. Uh, I think that I've gotten closer and closer to my vision as I've gotten older and done more work and stuff. But mm-hmm. the, the older work, I think, still is a pretty good representation mm-hmm. of what I was going So for. you could sell those? Sure, I wouldn't mind. Hmm. So what do you think it is? Like, why, why did, how did block? you start making work? What, what how did it, I start? Yeah, like, like the work that you're making now, like what, you're, mm. what we're talking about. That, but how, why did you, how did you start making art? Well, I started drawing when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, years and years of just doodling in notebooks or making drawings. And my parents were both artists and they both were, you know, they weren't totally okay with me going to art school, but 
Right. They supported me once I, you know, once mm-hmm. <laughs> I once I almost flunked out of being like a physics major or whatever. Did your parents make a living as artists? No, they. My when my dad was younger, he was like an illustrator, but they both have uh, gotten job jobs now. They're retired mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. but they're pretty supportive of me now. Mm-hmm. Um, but this the series of work that I consider my you know adult work came about when I just I felt like I was at a mental block and I didn't really I needed a narrative or something to invest myself in that wasn't just staring at the wall and drawing you know figure drawing or mm-hmm. still lives or whatever mm-hmm. was inspiring to me I wanted to have something I could invest myself in that was like a long-term project that felt like it was endless there was always going to be more of it and I could you know go back to the well and always dredge up more mm-hmm. and and that that revealed itself to me because of like my interest in comics and narrative storytelling Mm-hmm. and fantasy and role-playing games and all that sort of stuff and and realizing that that was a major part of how i use my brain when i'm making art is the same kind of uh thought process so you're sort of living in a storyland sort of when i'm in the studio for sure yeah it's a little so it's almost story. like reading a book except you're drawing a book you're I'm drawing tra- your own book instead of writing a book yeah and it's a choose your own adventure book which is fun because it's i don't always know where it's going to go next but looking at what happened before is the information first so it's really really satisfying super satisfying yeah a lot of myself you know what makes me you know what keeps me relatively free of personal problems i think is a lot of what goes on in the studio and lets me work it out in there Hmm. so mm-hmm. I, I think that is why i probably am so attached to the work there's a there's an element of uh self self-satisfaction and problem solving that was in mm-hmm. you know, part of the personal experience of the work mm-hmm. and obviously what, if, what about a print what if you like why isn't a print okay it's not not okay yeah that's a good idea print oh, you hadn't thought of that I mean, it's a consideration. But you could get yourself a nice print. Yeah, I guess I could. Well, or you could sell a print. You yeah. could sell prints, but you could also get yourself a nice print. I could get myself a nice print. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's more of a. I just need to have the entrepreneurial go-getting attitude to. What is make the them. idea? This is so funny. You know, I mean, I remember. Um, you're thirty. You're thirty-three. 33. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I remember one time somebody wanting to sell. I mean, this was like a really big installation of gifts from men and shit like that. Uh And um, they didn't want to show it unless they could put it up for sale. Sure. And I remember not wanting to sell it. Uh But those are actual gifts from men. I, I mean, but I do remember reading somewhere or somebody saying to me once, I think it might have been the late, great Annie Heron saying, don't hoard your work. Mm. And I think that is really just I I good professional advice. That is good advice. I mean, it's good advice. And, you know, it's kind of like a maybe it's a discipline to sell your work. You yeah, know what I mean? I haven't thought but about why, it that way. you know, don't hoard your work. Mm. And now when I look back on the work that I have, I mean, I'm still glad I have that piece, I think, in particular. But, um, you know, I used to feel like I wasn't going to be able to make anything that good again. Do you ever feel like that? I think that there are like high water marks in my work, but I don't get intimidated by that. I don't think. Yeah, I, I that's mean, because part of it for the, you, the part that's interesting is what's going to happen next. You yeah. know, oh. so I, I feel I feel engaged in a way that doesn't make me scared that I'm not going to make something as good as before. But I do try and keep cognizant of like where have I gone and how much have I done. So something that that's interesting is you use the word entrepreneur a few times. What does that mean to you? Um, you don't think of yourself as an entrepreneur and not in terms of my uh, fine art making. No, 
Uh, Do you think of it in terms of your, um, you know, your job, your work? I art? I have dabbled in getting my own gigs and getting my own clients. Didn't go that great. Uh, and I think that I fail on a lot of uh, lo- levels when it comes to uh, getting work, getting jobs myself. So, so you've gotten, say, hurt or you've had bad experiences. I've had some bad experiences. I mean, some okay experiences. Because right now you have negative. kind of like an agent getting to work for you. Yeah. And exactly. vouching for you exactly. and making the deals and or, negotiating the money. Or and, word of mouth with other coworkers who have their own right, gifts or something like that. Right, right, right. So you have somebody already telling them that you're yeah. a great guy. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that I get very... Tell I, them to call me, I'll tell them. Yeah, sure. I, maybe you can um, reference. <laughs> so, um, so, I mean, I, I think, you know, that's a great... That is, I think, you know... I think there's a link in those professional problems. Uh-huh. So, but... So do you have a story about like one of the things that was very upsetting? Can you tell us a story about something that was upsetting when you tried yeah. to get your own work? I won't, I won't use names, but yeah, I, I, I had a client and I, I'm not very good at standing up for myself when it comes to like getting the money that I think that I, I should be owed. And when it comes to working for this other company, you know, there's a, there's a precedent and we have sort of a, a comfortable process for getting paid and how work gets you know, mm-hmm. uh, compensated for. And then when you're a free agent on your own and getting your own jobs, and I think maybe this links to fine art, you have to set your prices and talk to your clients yourself and get paid for what you think you're worth. And if it if they don't, if there's a conflict there, you have to find a way to resolve it yourself. And I'm not great at that. That is definitely... So uh, you hate talking about money? I am bad at talking about money. Yeah, I think I am. I think the, the reality of money scares me and capitalism is it. I mean, I have a major issue with, and then the reality of it, you know, staying alive with the money that I have to get is a real challenge for me sometimes. Yeah, because, um, uh, yeah, so that's, that sounds really normal. <laughs> that sounds very normal. Uh, um, yeah, I guess it is. But, but um, what is it about money? What's, tell me how you learned about money and, like, how you feel about money and what happens, like, with your girlfriend? Do you guys split everything, or uh, well, is yeah. money an issue? Do you wind up in discussions about money? I think that I am, I am as well off as I could be, and I don't worry about money very often, which is great. I mean, that, that is great. I don't think I have a lot of money. Yeah, but I have found ways to survive, and you know, yeah, you know, money's not a problem for you. Money's not a problem in terms of spreading it out and surviving on it. But I mean, there's always the element of you know, should I be trying to get more? Do I need more? Do you feel like you should be? Um, well, I live in like a cardboard box sometimes, it feels like. It's very, you know, I think I could live in a nicer apartment if I had more money. But, I mean, I'm very comfortable. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, maybe there's an element of I'm 33. My friends are starting to make more money than I am. I don't really get jealous or anything. But I think it's just self-assessment, you know. And there's the question, do I, should I be getting more? Do I need more? Uh, is what I have right now not enough? So do you think that your self-image and has something to do with money uh, is a reflection on how you feel about yourself or how you your role in society, being a being a guy and all? No, I don't think that I, I ascribe to that at all. I think I understand that, but it's not something that bothers me. I think it's more, it's the, it's the overwhelming weight of knowing how much I'm going to need over the course of my life. You so know? you think about how you're going to have to earn like, a hundred million dollars yeah, in the exactly. next 40 yeah. years. The overwhelming weight of how much money over the course of my life I'm going to have to earn. 
and seeing in the immediate moment how much I have and how much I know I'm going to make for the year and then, you know, extrapolating from there. You so know. you're like, when I'm never going to be able to retire? Probably no. Oh, you're worried <laughs> about like being being like ho- homeless when you're 65 or something. I mean, more like so, 55. Yeah. 55. <laughs> Let's talk about um, how, how, what was money like? What was the role of money in your household? Like, how did you? Growing did, up? Yeah. Um, my parent. well. Do you have brothers or sisters? I'm an only child. Okay. Um, it's an interesting question because money wasn't uh, something I was super cognizant of as a kid, but mm-hmm. I was aware of it in the sense that I knew my parents had to give up their like art careers. Oh, really? Kid. Interesting. Or at least that was the fantasy in my head. I don't know. My parents never said that to me. They didn't make me feel bad or anything. But, uh-huh. Did uh, you wish that they had been able to be artists? Did, co- that's what you wanted. For I them. wanted for my parents to be artists. Yes, and absolutely. they just didn't have the time because they had jobs. They had a kid. They had me, and I felt that very deeply. Uh, uh, that I was, I was the thing stopping them from being artists in a way. Really? Um, and they didn't put that on you, and you they just. Didn't. I think I, I think I put that on myself. Yeah. D- do you think that was some kind of projection? Like you wanted to be, you don't want that for yourself. Or you were afraid that you wouldn't, that money was going to be a problem and you wouldn't be able to be an artist because you wouldn't have enough money? Did that? I think then in a very basic childlike way, that was a thing that occurred to me. Yeah, for sure. But because I have a relationship with my dad that's very good. And my parents, both very good. Yeah. I, I love my parents. And okay, here, well, here's a childhood story that maybe is relevant to the, sure. the therapy. That's overall. what we're looking for. I'm, I'm this, trying... is a, this is exactly what we're looking yeah, for. Yeah, your question led to one that, that popped okay, into my let's... head. Let's do uh, it. Uh, when I was a kid, every day my dad, you know, my dad's a union electrician now. He or mm-hmm. was. He's uh, he's retired. He's union. Yeah, yeah retired. He got a now. pension. Pension, all that great stuff. So I'm very happy for them. They're retired. Both my parents are retired and doing great. So I'm happy for them very much. But when I was Me a too. kid, um, when I was a kid, I'd wake up every morning. My dad had already gone to work. He'd wake up at four or five in the morning. You know, take the train to Manhattan and you know, uh, go and be an electrical engineer. You know, telecommunications. Stuff. But I'd come home, I'd come in downstairs every day, come to the table where I'd eat breakfast, and my dad had drawn me like a like a, a notepad full of drawings. So there's a new drawing every day. Oh, my God. Yeah, so. Oh, my God. I think that's a very deeply ingrained thing, like everyday drawing <laughs> and everyday doodling, and you got to keep this like sense of, you know, there's a sense of creativity. So my dad didn't really do art when I was a kid, but he always had like a sketchbook. You know, I have, you know, I don't know if he still has them, but they were like, uh, 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 like sticky note, like yeah. things like thick, full of drawings every morning of our, like our cat or like the food bowl. And or, he would give them to you, and he'd then leave he, them for me to find them and every did morning. You, oh, like around the house, in the on the table when oh, I was going. Oh, and then breakfast. did you save them or did he save them? I mean, no one threw them out. I would never throw them out. Okay, I think they're no, at, I don't know. I think they're at my parents' house. Okay, but I, I that's beautiful. Wow, it's something. What a great way to connect with. <laughs> kids uh, i mean it's something i loved about kid. my dad yeah I, I, I love that about your dad i associate like doodling and sketching with like a, a connection to like my childhood self for sure mm-hmm. and i when i think of drawing with kids that's the thing i get a lot of joy out of like when kids come to my studio for open studios i want to draw with them or mm-hmm. whatever that's a very it's a very like satisfying and you know i get a lot of joy out of that mm-hmm. but i think there's an element of it like my dad isn't here and this is all he's like left Right, and there's an element of like this is this is as much art as my dad gets to do, and and that was like a weird feeling for me. So here's what's interesting to me is hearing this is that 
you somehow decided or felt that he wasn't, that was his way of doing art, but it wasn't enough for him. You felt like it wasn't enough. I think, I think I, uh, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know. Why even know do you true. think that? Why did you think that? Well, I think my dad's a very creative guy. <laughs> and I think that now in his retirement, like he does photography, he'll doodle all the time. He posts his, you know, photos on Instagram because I think that I think deep down my dad is a very artistic and creative person. My mom is too. Right, right. But right. I think my connection is deeper with my dad's relationship <laughs> to art. So do you feel that like and um, they both taught me to draw when I was a kid? Yeah, and I'm my sure mom you've got a lot of did. skills, yeah. a lot of genetic skills. It looks like that to well, me. Training, that you I do. Think, I think the training came from my my parents. Like they they like when I was three, my mom would like teach me to draw and like show me like I'd be drawing like weird dinosaurs with lasers and she'd be like okay make another one and there was this encouragement to, to make art from them. beautiful uh and yeah I don't know maybe I'm just I was just like a weird little kid so and had you, anxiety but you it. were you had anxiety what's the feeling of anxiety no about? that was the anxiety was the feeling that my parents maybe gave up some element of their creative creative life for me which is you know that's touching but also like I wanted them to have more for themselves Brian, yeah. but maybe you wanted more. Do you, what did they ever say anything like? Um, I I love it. I mean, I find it so. I don't know. In, endearing is too is not the right word, but there's something really special about a child looking at their, you know, hearing you talk about your dad that way as a child. I mean, that's just mm. that's just hard. Isn't that amazing, guys? <laughs> this is a regular guy saying something emotional. Wow. I have to make fun of him. I have to make it got too heavy. It got too heavy. Is it heavy? I couldn't take it. (laughs) So anyway, um, the thing is, is that. So. Did what I'm wondering about is, did your parents were you frustrated for them or did they give you any feeling they were frustrated that they didn't have more time to do their own work? Um, I'm, I, as a kid, maybe there's, I mean, kids are pretty perceptive, so maybe it was not an intentional thing, but, but I, you, it was there in my kid brain. I thought I recognized that my parents have some frustrations with how, you know, the, the hindering of their creative, uh, life or whatever. Uh-huh. Did they argue about how they spent their time? Like you pick them up or any of that? Like I don't, the responsibility I think of you? I, was, I think when I was very, very young, like three years old, I had some worries that my parents were going to get divorced. There was like a, a like I remember fights as a kid, mm-hmm. but yeah, looking back as an adult, I'm like they were probably just normal fights, and I was just a being little, anxious. I was being an anxious, emotional. Yeah, and you didn't have a brother or sister, no so there was me, no oh, one okay. that no you one. you were really dependent on. You know, like you don't yeah. have a brother or sister yeah. to like but talk to about. In it. terms of logistics, my parents were pretty on top of it. Mm-hmm. They knew they they there was never fights about. Oh, you have to take care of him now or something. But, but. Let's get back to, you know, we only have 15 minutes. Yeah, I don't think we're going to solve all my problems. No, but I do want to. <laughs> no. Oh, come on. We've got 15 minutes. Oh, okay. That's, you know, it's, you're only 33. How many problems? We've got, we can get through this. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, entrepreneurial. Yes. So That was where we started. I'm just like this to me. I see the frustration. I mean, I get that, but that doesn't necessarily tell me why um, you 
are concerned about making enough money? Mm. Um, well, I know how much money that I make from my job, and I, or I have a general idea of how much money I'm going to make over, over a year. And thinking about trying to uh, sustain myself more from my artwork than my decorative painting work, I, it's hard to imagine a world where I can, I can kind of reach a similar level of... Right, but it's not a black or white thing. Right. And you know what's kind of ironic? You're talking about that you're afraid that, of, that you won't be able to sell your work, but you're, at the same time, you're also saying you don't want to oh, sell yeah. your work. Yeah, these are t- two, problem, two problems at once. But uh, I think they're So they're really conflicting problems. Absolutely, yeah. I think there's a conflicting issue. <laughs> Have you ever like given a piece of work away that you don't know what happened to it, that you're upset about or something like that? Has that ever happened? Uh, I, well, this... I have I have sort of coping mechanisms, and one of them is that for Bushwick Open Studios, I draw for everyone who comes in. I'll draw business cards for everybody, mm-hmm. and they're all unique. I have one in my pocket. But, oh, okay. Uh, the whole point is to, showing it to me. The, the whole point is here's like. This, am I going to get this? You can have it. I can have it. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'm going to put. I'll post this. I'll yeah, post that's it. sort of a Freudian phallic, phallic turtle uh, picture. Yeah, it's a t- it's a guy with a turtle, but there is a sexual overtone. I'll give you that much. Uh, anyway, the the point is that I, I, I it felt like I'm doing something important by letting go of some drawings. You know, mm-hmm. they're small, but I, I invest you know some time into them, a little bit of time into them. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that anyone who wants one can take one and it, free. You know, I'm not selling them or anything. And the idea is everyone mm-hmm. has a little piece of me. You know, in their on their fridge or something, mm-hmm. or in their do, pocket. Do, do you feel like your work, like that people can't love your work as much as you do? Um, I would like if they could, but I I'm not optimistic that they would. But it matters to you. It would be nice. But how much does that matter? Like, have you? What about your girlfriend? Does she have any of your work? And you guys don't live together. That's I, a whole other I have story. Made lots of drawings for. I got to get you both in here and figure <laughs> that one out. Yeah, we'll be back for not. You're a real session. introvert. You don't want to live with anyone. Is that right? Uh, I live with someone right now. He's my yeah, roommate, but that's but not your. That's no. not your. We have separate lives. Do you want to have kids? Uh, no, uh, maybe the world's too horrible. I think. No, you don't want to. Yeah, well, sure. anyway. So, so, um, have you ever given her a piece of work? To, do you have any feeling? Of course, she has multiple of my drawings. Yeah, but absolutely. What happens if you guys broke up? She can keep them. I don't want them. I don't want them. I already disconnected the emotional. Someone, it's out there, and she has it. She but she loves it. you, and she yeah. loves your work. I'm so glad that she's, she does. Yeah, she's worth. she she's worthy of it, or she absolutely. She, you're 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 secure with her having it yeah i don't know if it's an element of worthiness but yeah definitely i'm okay with someone having it for sure yeah and i've sold work before it's not like i've never sold a piece uh but i i think that i i try and remember where all of them are <laughs> you know there's this feeling of maybe one day i'll have to contact the person who bought my work and say can you put this in like a show or something like that would you be okay with displaying this even though it wouldn't be for sale mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. I, I don't know there's you know there's, a lot I, don't, of- I don't want them all <laughs> gone forever from me mm-hmm yeah mm-hmm I don't know. <clears throat> it's interesting. It's interesting because you're kind of really caught in the middle. Yeah. Um. Do you worry that if you somehow didn't have that strong of a connection to your work that it wouldn't be as good? Are you worried about like, are you worried about having an emotional distance in order for you to give your work away? Mm. 
you need to have an emotion. You need to create so. an emotional distance. Definitely, I would if I if I was going to sell more of it for sure. But do you, are you afraid that you won't be able to do that, or that if you do if you start doing that, you won't care? Like maybe you have an emotional distance from the from your art. Let's call it artisanal work or whatever mm-hmm. your trompe l'oeil work. Yeah. So you have an emotional distance there. I have no connection to it, no. And are you afraid that you're going to be like that about your other work? Or do you think maybe your other work allows you to have the emotional distance with your professional work? Like, what hmm. is there any relationship there? I don't think so. No, I don't think so, really. But I, <clears throat> I do think that it's it's hard for me to create that emotional distance. I'm not afraid of it because I've sold the work before and, and you know, I'm okay now. I haven't, like... No, nothing's happened. I didn't die on the inside no. or anything. Uh, so you're I, still wondering about it, though. Yeah, I still. I, I think about the piece. I'm like, oh, I wonder. I hope I can get a photo of it hung on the wall in this guy's house or whatever. So, is that part of the reason you're not promoting your work? I think that there's an element of that. Maybe there's there's a deep down there's like a childlike fear of that at the very at a very low level. Hmm. Mm, but I don't know if that's the major roadblock. What would it? Do you do you have any idea? Would he? I think the major roadblock is is being uh, a not uh, being a guy outside of the studio trying to sell the work, like being a professional in a in a selling uh, setting, rather than being the artist who's uh, allowed to make art in their studio by themselves. Or so you picture. How do you picture? So you picture that you're going to be the one literally selling the work <laughs> I think to it, the collectors. <laughs> Uh, I think at, at some, uh, some ang- anxious level, uh, like underlying me. Yeah. There's a part of me that thinks about that. Yeah. Like, oh, I have to like go up and like sell this. How am I going to sell this to somebody? Yeah. I think there is a part of that, even though I know it's not true. Right. It's because just, you'd have a gallery or yeah, somebody gallery else. Or curator or somebody, but yeah, I think there's an, there's a piece of me that feels that way. Then I picture it that way. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I don't know if there's an answer for that. Just not no, like no, I'm just trying to like figure out like what's what's real and what isn't. I mean, some of your reticence in selling the work is genuine because a you're not doing you're not making the work because you it's not about the money. You're not get you're not doing it as part of your you're not counting on income from your own work. Right, exactly. So that's and it takes forever to make it and you can't possibly get paid for the amount of time that you put into it i'm certain of that right i, I don't think that there's a way i could that's no. not what it's about most artists don't no of course not i don't expect that from most people no. mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. it'd be unreasonable mm-hmm. of me to demand that from somebody <laughs> yeah. anyway this is going to be that's the third of my year that's yeah it's going to be 30,000 yeah, exactly. dollars for this yeah, 12 by yeah. 12 I'm not drawing. there yet and I don't think I will be anytime soon well it's not what you know it's not it's it's not a real it's not realistic in the no. in the world we live in no um so what I'm trying to figure out is if you this is what I'm thinking about I'm thinking about if you're afraid to confront the reality of how people respond to your work what your the role of your work in the art market yes i think you're very close i think you're you're pretty close to some, and, something and yeah. what your real growth potential is mm. and 
how people are going to respond in a scenario that likely you won't have a whole lot of control over. You can't yep. say this person's going to buy it. That person yep. can't. I think you're right. I think you're, I think that that's a good way of putting it. There's a fear. I think I do have a, a fear of spreading my wings, sort of. There's an element of that. Finding out the truth. Yeah, that is really frightening. Uh, the idea that I could put it all out there and actually commit fully and still I would fail or someone wouldn't respond the way I'd hope they would or something. Oh, so it's real fear. It's not oh, that yeah. the, you're it's not that you're hoarding your work. Well, there's a fantasy fear, which partially is hoarding. But I think there is also a real fear, which is, yeah, a fear of, you know, trying to realize my full potential and probably not achieving it the way that I would hope for. And do you see like your parents as people who didn't they they didn't. I mean, they they had a different life. Yeah, they they, had, they had you. What a pleasure. I hope so. <laughs> um, so, so they had different visions for what they wanted. But um, do you feel frustrated on their behalf? Do you feel a like, little? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it's a it's a personal fantasy of mine that everyone I meet could potentially be an artist, or draw, or do have a creative outlet, and and I want I want to see the guy like the guy sweeping the street or the guy working at the deli be a secret painter or something. And it, it frustrates me that more people don't get to, to realize. But that why do you want, why do you want them to do what you want? Well, I, I hope that what they want to do is something that is creative, but maybe not everyone has a creative spark to them, but. Well, not everybody wants to spend their free time drawing yeah. or making art. Well, it's not drawing. I mean, it would be, you know, maybe the, or maybe you know, maybe the deli yeah. guy is doing performance art behind the counter or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. you know, it's really interesting because, like, you have a relationship with your with your work, but you also have a relationship with the idea of art making that you don't want to get people your work. You want them to make the work. Yes. you want them to make their own work. Yes, a hundred percent. And yes. that's not. The word that comes to mind <laughs> is I'm going to I'm going to say I don't I think I think maybe that's some unfulfilled fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Having to do with your parents mm-hmm. not being successful as artists, quote unquote artists. I think that could be it. Yeah. I think and I think that you're mourning that. I think that's And I possible. think that maybe you feel guilty, maybe you feel feel pressure to to like be successful for them mm-hmm. or yep. ma- maybe your art your your relationship with your art i think has an emotional connection with your feeling about your parents i, I think that's you could probably say that about a lot of we artists. got five minutes okay yes no i think you're right i think you're no i, I think, think for right. you because i'll tell you how i feel about my work and this is what i tell people mm-hmm. um how, this is how I uh, look at my art. Mm-hmm. Your art is your children, mm. and make I make all the decisions based on are they my like I would if they were my kids. Mm. Are they going to be comfortable in this house? Mm-hmm. Are they worth this thing? Is this an ethical person who's going to be selling the work? Mm. Is this, um, am I making too many sacrifices? Am I not making enough sacrifices? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I look at everything as if they are my children that want to be out in the world. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm feeling like you're looking at your 
children like they're like your art is your parents' grandchildren. <laughs> that's a really interesting way to put it. Yeah, maybe. That's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think you might be close to something. I don't know. I don't know. So what 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 your parents are obviously supportive, but like how invested are they in your art? Are they I mean they they may not I mean this is coming from you. I don't get it coming from them. I yeah. it's all about you and your wish for them. Yeah. But are they playing into that at all or uh, I don't think it's really a thing I've talked with them about. No, but do they say, did you sell any art? Did you make any oh, art? How did yeah, it's... they're always asking how I'm doing professionally and how my work's going. They come and see the studio and just visit. Yeah, but do they, do you feel any pressure from them to sell your art or that you could be selling your art or be nice or any um, of that? Do you feel, I think I try or is and... that a question? Is that, is that an active question between I think it's you and your parents? I think it's an open-ended question. Why aren't you selling your work? Are you going to that kind of stuff? Do you I talk so. about that with them? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like what kind of conversations? My dad often has professional advice for me uh, uh, in terms of selling work or ways to promote myself. Uh, so. Oh, okay. Bingo. Yeah, I think you're um, I think sure. that your dad, I think that your dad is putting, that's confusing. We can't do, we can't. Yeah, you need another hour, I think. No, no. I think <laughs> that uh, boundaries, here's what I'm going to say because we only have two minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that I think that um, if you could somehow let your dad know that, you know, you do want to work on selling your work, but it's a very personal issue for you and mm. like discussing it, like you want to, you want to do that on your own and that discussing it is confusing for you. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. Advice. And that you really appreciate it. Yeah. And that everything they, you know, like it's not about that. It's just that you really care so much about his opinion that it's influencing you. Mm. And that in order for you to really move forward, it, you want to take a break and that you'll definitely, con- you know, re- you respect him. You want to know if you have a question. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's I think that's the best advice I've gotten in a while on that topic. That's good. See, now <laughs> you need to go to therapy. Maybe we, yeah, a little bit of therapy. See, OK, well, uh, anyway, that's great. I'm I'm very excited to uh, I'm you know, you'll invite me to the solo show at. Yeah, you're invited in to Chelsea, Shanghai. Chelsea in <laughs> Shanghai. Yeah. This is very exciting. So. <laughs> Um, anyway, thanks so much for listening to Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. I'm on Radio Free Brooklyn every Thursday, 2 to 3 live. Uh, and you can go to our archives and uh, at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Check out uh, all my over 300 shows. I think it's like the 310th show here or something like that. And um, I think you should stick around because we've got amazing programming this afternoon. So don't go anywhere, okay? Also, I'm going to be at Chilo in Green Greenpoint tonight, giving out, uh, doing therapy and giving.